HRN listeners. As we celebrate our 15th year, we are deepening our commitment to giving voice to the next generation of food system storytellers, and we need your help. Our internship and fellowship programs help activate new possibilities for underrepresented and underestimated young people through experiential journalism, audio engineering, and production training. Through these unique programs, HRN helps food equity stewards build essential workforce readiness skills that expand their potential and foster economic mobility. Please consider supporting these critical programs. And with a minimum donation, you can be entered to win a dinner for two at an amazing restaurant in one of eight cities and tickets to a concert at a great venue in one of those cities. We have incredible partners across the country who have donated as they also share our passion for helping to educate the next generation of food system storytellers. Check out heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. That's heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you. Today's program has been brought to you by S. Wallace Edwards & Sons, third-generation cure masters producing the country's best dry-cured and aged hams, bacon, and sausage. For more information, visit surreyfarms.com. You're listening to Heritage Radio Network, broadcasting live from Bushwick, Brooklyn. If you like this program, visit heritageradionetwork.org for thousands more. Good morning. You're listening to In the Drink on HeritageRadioNetwork.org. I'm your host, Joe Campanelli, and I'm uh, very excited to be here today with Eamon Rocky. Um, Eamon's the uh, GM of a restaurant that's not quite open yet uh, called Bethany, but he has worked in some of just the the best restaurants here in New York City, um, including Eleven Madison Park, Aterra. Asuka. Um, he's actually he actually uh, ran Atera as the general manager and, and Asuka as well. Um, so someone who has uh, quite a lot of uh, cred here in, uh, here in the city. He's been in the industry since he was uh, just a kid. Um, and uh, just really excited to have you on the show, Eamon. Excited to be here. Uh, you're kind of a pro here at, at uh, Heritage Radio Network. Uh, I didn't realize when I asked you this is your your third time here at at uh, at the uh, at the radio station. So thanks for coming back. My pleasure. I think there's a there's a little plaque of me on the back of this chair. Yeah, I think one one more, and and you get a, you get a little <laughs> name card next to the uh, next to the boar head over there. <laughs> um, so uh, so tell us tell us about your new project. <laughs> Sure, sure. Um, Bettany's going to be uh, a Manhattan uh, project on 57th Street between 5th and 6th. Uh, it's, it's my first time in that neighborhood in a long time. Um, it's, uh, it's a collaboration between myself and uh, Bryce Schumann, uh, the chef. Um, he's coming off of a number of years at 11 Madison Park where we met. Uh, a really inspirational character and uh, someone who I'm incredibly excited to work with. Um, the uh, the project is is all about people uh, uh, and all about doing something special for for New York, you know. And uh, we have we have a lot of things that that we're really excited about there. But you know, uh, as as we move closer and closer to to the opening date, it'll be this spring. Um, we're both uh, continually referencing how amazing the folks are that are gravitating toward the project and. 
And the wine director, Luke Wollers, who I also worked with a number of years ago at EMP, uh, is flying out from uh, Seattle uh, relatively soon to take his position as uh, the wine director of the restaurant. And I couldn't be more excited about that. The sommeliers on the team, on his team uh, uh, on at Betany, is, is just coming together beautifully. And, you know, from, from bottom to top, you know, some really standout individuals that are going to do some cool things with us, I hope. Well, that's, that's super exciting. What kind, when is the cuisine going to be in that kind of Scandinavian cuisine that, that you have? Uh, come to be known to be an expert in? Uh, I wouldn't call myself an expert in any <laughs> cuisine, um, but uh, you know the cuisine is is the the food that Bryce loves, and um, it's funny when when anybody you know starts talking to Bryce about about the project, you know. Uh, the question inevitably comes up, you know, what's the food going to be? What, what kind of food are you going to make? And, you know, his responses range from, you know, Hunan food to meatballs to whatever else, you know, because uh, it's, it's got to, it's got to come from the heart. You know, Mm -hmm. if if there's one thing I can say about, about him is that he's an incredibly conscientious chef and uh, one who cares about the people and the way that, that the food makes them feel. Uh, So, uh, he's got to love the food. You know, I continually hear him say that, you know, I've got to love it. And, and, uh, I've, I've tasted, you know, through the menu a couple times and it's different evolutionary states and it's, it's really, really delicious stuff. So uh, I hope that people dig it. All right. What can you tell us about the beverage program? Sure. Uh, it won't have anything to do with me. <laughs> so, uh, uh, as I say, you know, um, I'm, I'm doing my best to, to bring people onto the team and, and I think, yeah, we're really, I'm, I'm blessed thus far to, uh, see some incredibly talented folks uh, gravitate toward the project, and um, the cocktail program is going to be really strong um, and, and initially uh, uh, relatively sparse or relatively um, relatively focused, I should say. Uh, as I as I say, you know, we're we're moving into a new neighborhood uh, uh, as a team, and I want to get to know it. I want to grow into it, and I want to I want to see what. Um, what uh, uh, folks in that in that uh, you know strange uh, place in the world that we call Midtown as as you know downtowners and whatnot uh, really really looking for and uh, what we can do to make them happy. With the cocktails, is there anything that uh, that it, it will, the program will draw inspiration from? Mm. You know, that's a good question. Um, as as I said with Bryce with regard to food, I feel really strongly that you know it's important that uh, the the beverage program and service program as a whole are reflections of things that I I hold to be important. So, um, you know, really pure flavors, really really strong ingredient focus, freshness, and and you know innovation where appropriate, but always as a means to an end as opposed to a, a showcase for the technique itself. Um, so. Without without giving away or talking about too much, especially since you know some of it is still you know in 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 form, um, it's going to be a, an honest and, and pure approach to 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 beverage as a whole. Mm-hmm. And the the wine list, new world, old world, a mix. Uh, it's certainly certainly a mix, but um, I I look forward to seeing uh, where Luke takes it. Uh, it'll it'll be an extensive enough list uh, off the bat that we're able to to satisfy the, the diverse array of a highly sophisticated uh, clientele uh, and and also just a clientele that's looking for delicious things. Um, but uh, but you know it'll grow into have focus, I'm sure. Okay, and tell us a little bit about why you chose this neighborhood. There's there's not uh, a ton going on. Uh, I know there's a Menkute ramen shop. Mm-hmm. We spoke the other day. And it was like, are you going to Menkute all the time? And you're like, yeah, that's my lunch <laughs> spot. I, I love that place. Um, um, Joe Shanghai, absolutely. And Joe Shanghai, which I didn't even realize there was one up there. It's true. Into the one uh, down in Chinatown. Mock is on times. that block. It's an amazing block for food. It really is. Wow. And uh, 
Well, why do you think that is? What, what's going on? It, it historically has not been amazing. Sure, and, and that's why I said strange a minute ago, because I think that you know Midtown is a misunderstood neighborhood. Mm-hmm. Um, it, initially, for me, whenever whenever we started talking about this project, you know, the the my ignorance <clears throat> initially. Uh, uh, led me to to uncertainty, but the more time I spend in in this neighborhood, uh, the more I fall in love with it. You know, being so close to the park, uh, the buildings there are gorgeous. Um, there's so many different people uh, in in the in the area for so many different reasons, and uh, the diversity of of different kinds of food, the the museums and and whatnot uh, are, are really all amazing. The mm-hmm. sidewalk installations of of uh, artists and and uh, just you know being in that bustling neighborhood that changes so greatly from hour to hour on different days is really really cool, and it's it's something that. Uh, I'm I'm disappointed with myself that I haven't gotten to know earlier. Right. I guess you're far, far enough uh, north in Midtown where you have some people who will visit who actually live close by, mm. and then yeah. certainly uh, a lot of people work over there and and tourists sure. as well. So it's probably a, a nice combination of the three. Yeah, it's an amazing cross section of of New Yorkers and, and those visiting New York. I really like it a lot. Oh, that's fantastic. That's fantastic. Um, so tell us uh, a little bit about where you are in the opening process right now. What it, what have you done? What is there left to do? Sure. Well, you know, the paper's up in the windows for a reason. <laughs> yeah, okay. So it's <laughs> so it's close. Because uh, <laughs> no, well, if no one, you know, they don't put the papers up if, they, if it's just, if there's nothing on the walls, right? <laughs> well, you know, we're, we're, we're in process. Okay. Um, and I, and I'm, and I, I, I hesitate to to uh, to give too much of a definite you know um, date on things because I want to make sure that when we make a promise we stick to it mm-hmm. you know and how how many restaurants uh, have have you opened how many restaurants have you seen open uh, and I've certainly been involved in a couple that uh, that you know make make really strong commitments either internally or or openly. Um, and, it, and it becomes difficult to, to bite the bullet and say, you know what, we need another week or whatever it may be. I, I want I want to be able to you know make that announcement to to the city and uh, stick to it and keep my promise. Okay, I guess we're not making that announcement today on the show, but <laughs> I, I, I want to hear about it when when it does happen. What have you learned from previous openings that you're going to use uh, in this one? Sure. Well, it's it's crazy. This is this is the fourth opening in three years for me, um, and. Uh, with uh, with a lot of the same people in each one, you know, people people continually are like, "Wow, man, you're you're going from one thing to the next," and it's 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 true in some ways. But you know, uh, the first one, the uh, awesome cocktail lounge I, I, that I miss greatly, composed evolved mm-hmm. into a Terra, you know, and, and that in and of itself was a unique experience, growing one business into another. And uh, Aska, uh, which was an amazing and is still an amazing uh, as a Terra is uh, project uh, that I I look forward to returning to as often as possible um, was a totally different direction um, and in uh, each of these openings has, has really sort of uh, uh, been a been a very different dynamic amongst um, uh, the people involved and and uh, different different emphasis is on on different things you know at Atera it was it was about uh, uh, sort of um, fun amidst uh, a hushed glorification of food, you know, centered around around the kitchen and and uh, looking looking to the kitchen to, to be the central focus. Um, at uh, at Asuka, you know, it's it's a, a as much about the food as it is anything else, but it's also about um, the space and about taking it in and being a part of the neighborhood. Uh, you know, Atera Terra is almost an escape. It's it's uh, you know the the windows are frosted and and there's plants all over the place and 
Um, it's intended to sweep New Yorkers to a different place, and I think we, we accomplished that whenever we designed it. Um, Asuka was about, you know, bringing the neighborhood into the, into the space and, and also, you know, pouring uh, the restaurant out of the space. And, and uh, you know, different, different restaurants have taught me different things in that way. Uh, Bettany, anybody who walks, walks the street, you know, will see, will see the windows that we have. And, and I love the fact that we have so much window space uh, right on 57th Street. And, and I hope that we're able to showcase, you know, the restaurant and, and uh, the bar, but also, um, also take in a little bit of the, of the uh, Manhattan, you know, cityscape. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, maybe this isn't as, as sexy as some of the, the design stuff you're talking about, but, but operationally, mm-hmm. what, like, what, what have you learned? I know for us, when we opened up Del Anima, <laughs> we, we, we are a long ways away from, uh, you know, our, our first opening, and everyone has gotten much, much easier. Uh, not that it's ever an easy thing, because there's so many, you know, there, there's so many uh, moving parts. Uh, it's amazing that they all come together. Mm-hmm. But uh, in terms of, uh, and op- operationally speaking, mm-hmm. what, what have you learned from the openings that, that you're going to use that's going to make this one even smoother than the, the first one you did three years ago? Investment in people, uh, by far, is, mm-hmm. is the most important uh, lesson that, that uh, I've learned over the course of the last you know, three to four years as, as I've gotten the chance to, to open a few things with some really cool people. Um, when I came off at 11 Madison Park, uh, you know, I was there for three years, and, and I was there as a captain and a bartender and, and learned a tremendous amount uh, from a number of really inspiring people. Um, and, and leaving that, that family and uh, opening up even a small project uh, and not, not realizing that I needed to establish my own culture um, of restaurant and of, uh, of a, a team uh, was a really hard lesson to learn. Uh, you, you can't... You can't do everything yourself. You can't command respect from people right off the bat. And I didn't. I didn't realize that at first uh, because I. I didn't. I, I'd never known uh, what it was like to to open a place and to have to build a culture. You know, Eleven Madison Park had a culture. I was a part of that culture. Um, but you know, you can't transfer that. You have to foster it. And uh, so I met with a great deal of, of um, frustration and, and, you know, I was pulling my hair out and figuring out what, trying to figure out what I was doing wrong. And uh, over the course of the last few years, it's become very clear to me that it's I'm not realizing how important the people were. Um, and at Atera, I got a little bit better and a little bit more savvy with it and, and uh, started, to, started to realize how uh, uh, literally dependent I was on the happiness of other people um, and investing in those people. Uh, uh, I think to a much greater extent at Asuka, we were able to foster an environment for that. You know, the guys on that team uh, from top to bottom, I mean, I list them all, uh, are, are just insanely uh, great people uh, with great leadership now with Shiraz and... and um, now at, at Betany, um, the the team is excited and wants to invest and wants to work hard and wants to learn. And, you know, I, I started almost every one of my interviews there with this is going to be a really hard place to work and we're going to have a great time. You know, and if, and if you're able to, to, to get people excited about that right off the bat, you're able to, I think, uh, uh, get, get set the tone. Uh, for for something that hopefully uh, because of everyone's excitement and genuine investment in it uh, turns out to be something that at the very least is a genuine expression of a group of people that's like-minded and what are some of the techniques that you use to invest in people or 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 make people happy and and Mm -hmm. and also why why do you think it's important uh specifically in our industry to do that i think that you know you don't you don't necessarily hear that in many other industries uh well 
You know, that's that's an interesting question. Um, I, I'm I'm not. Uh, I don't have the the vision to be able to to look at other uh, industries, and and uh, I hope someday that I'm able to to sort of unify all the theories of, of management and, and and people interaction to to be able to do that. But I can say with absolute certainty that people who are in the restaurant industry are looking for a way to make others happy and looking for a way to to showcase their their own joy and their own motivation to do so. Um, you know, for a long time, I didn't realize how how uh, badly people craved the opportunity to to actually work hard to accomplish something that was meaningful to them. Um, and I and I tried to take on more than I should have or could have uh, in a, in a few different ways in the past. And I've realized, you know, a that's a bad idea just from a personal happiness standpoint. But b, you know, you're you're taking the victories away from people, you know, that that they could that they could champion and uh, ultimately contribute to your own success. So. Um, I, I'm spe- I spend most of my time uh, now uh, empowering other people to do the things that they're passionate about, um, and if and if I can provide direction or support or empowerment to do that, then uh, then I think that you know we're gonna we're gonna be a successful team. Wow, it sounds like a a, a great level of uh, maturity and, and understanding and introspection, uh, and uh, I wish as well when. Uh, when uh, we opened up Delanima that that I had that level of of understanding and I think that that's something that that I share with you mm-hmm. that that has been uh truly a, a growth thing over the years um you know I, I think that with, with our restaurants people look at them as as good places to work where where they they are uh fulfilled but uh it 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 is it has to be also just be a conscious decision you can't Absolutely. just you can't just say it you know uh, it has to be a conscious it has to be something that you, that you live and you and you work at at every single day uh, and you know that that's what Gabe and I say like we you know how many places have you worked at where you don't look forward to going to right. work and we just want to make a place where people look forward to going to work and get out of it what they want and uh, I think I think you're totally spot on with saying that the reason that people get into the restaurant industry is to show other people a good time absolutely right you know and uh, it was really surprising to me I you know, I made a conscious decision to start trying to understand uh, how how I could get better at this because I knew that what I was doing wasn't working. And you know, reading about some of the great leaders of of uh, the world over the course of the last few few you know hundred years has you know revealed these patterns over time of of uh, of leaders who change their ways. And you're you're right. You know, it's a conscious decision. Uh, you know. You read about some biographies. You read some biographies of guys like Abraham Lincoln and Benjamin Franklin, some of the founders of, of this nation, and uh, the way that they started out life on on you know really really different uh, uh, footing than they finished it, um, with varying results obviously for for different leaders. But um, you know starting starting things out with really really difficult uh, uh, tempers and really trying. Um, um, uh, personalities that cause themselves a lot of uh, a lot of turmoil, and then making a conscious decision to not be that person anymore, and uh, it's it's really inspiring. Uh, it makes me believe that someday that uh, uh, I could help people to to um, become happier in, in whatever they do. Yeah. Well, I'm looking forward to you uh, helping me to become happier at Bethany whenever it opens. <laughs> uh, but we're gonna we're gonna uh, take just a quick break. Uh, we'll be back with Eamon Rocky on In the Drink. You're listening to Dirty Hands by Eula on HeritageRadioNetwork.org. 
Today's program has been brought to you by S. Wallace Edwards and Sons. Edwards Suriano hams are aged to perfection for no less than 400 days and hickory smoked to achieve a deep mahogany color. The Edwards name is well known for its world-class aged and cured meats. Their exclusive curing and aging recipe produces a unique flavor profile that enhances the quality characteristics of Berkshire pork. Optimum amounts of pure white fat marbling contribute to a flavor that's a delicate, perfect balance between sweet and salty. For more information, visit www.surreyfarms.com. The following. And we're back on In the Drink on HeritageRadioNetwork.org. I'm here with Eamon Rocky of the uh, not yet open uh, Bethany, but hopefully hopefully soon you'll uh, be able to share Bethany with uh with New York City, um, we were talking a little bit about management philosophy, um, and I think that's just a, a really interesting line of, of conversation, something that we haven't really covered too much on, on our show. Um, were there any, Eamon, were there any influential books that, that, uh, that, uh, that, that really inspired you? Yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, I mean, it goes back to, you know, uh, the days at EMP, where where you start, you know, your career in, in the restaurant world uh, as as uh, an avid fan of Danny Meyer and, and reading Setting the Table, um, in before that, you know, going going to school and, and having some amazing uh, professors uh, of management. Um, so not necessarily books per se, but individuals that really exemplified the the study of thought. But uh, most recently, the one that I've I've gone back to more and more and more is uh, Dale Carnegie's book. Um, which was written, you know, almost 100 years ago, and, and is just as relevant as ever. Uh, how to win friends and influence people. Uh, the the amazing thing about it is that it's it's just page after page of light bulb moments. It's like, mm-hmm. oh my God, this is so simple. Why have I been so dumb for so long? <laughs> you know what I mean? And uh, none of it's none of it's uh, um, you know new stuff. It's it's just a compilation of of you know simple lessons that that make life much better if you embody them. Yeah. Well, I, I guess this is really interesting to me because if you think about the normal trajectory of the restaurant manager uh, or even general manager, mm-hmm. um, you usually start off uh, maybe uh, you know as a as a teenager, you you, you get a job as a, a busser or a food runner, and you work your way up eventually to a server, and then you're a server for many years. And uh, you get hired, you know, you decide that, all right, I'm making decent money as a server, but I'm really into this. I'm going to make that make that big jump. And, and, it, and it is a big jump uh, to, to be a manager. Uh, I say it's a big jump because um, you, you're, when you go from a server to a manager, you're taking uh, a pay cut <laughs> intentionally to work more hours and have more responsibility. Yeah. Um, and then you take then you, you take your first manager job and and you do that and and uh, you work hard and, and you're good at it and then you get promoted to assistant general manager and hopefully one day general manager I guess that's the normal trajectory. Sure. But all along that way, there you know a lot of the people who go from server to manager were never necessarily trained as restaurant manager. Um, I th- I find that a lot of times and it's even something that we did. We'd promote our top server. Mm-hmm. Someone who was great, who worked hard, who got our culture, and you know maybe we train them for a week, <laughs> maybe maybe two weeks if we had a lot sure. of uh, luxury, um, you know. And and now what we're doing is we're building out a management training uh, mm-hmm. system. But you know maybe if we're lucky, it's three weeks. But sure. you know, and this is a job that's running a restaurant. It's a lot of responsibility. Yeah. So for someone to uh, 
to succeed in this? What do you think? What do you think are the the, the keys to success? Uh, you know, you train so long to be a chef, but three weeks for a restaurant manager. Sure. Well, it's it's really interesting, and and uh, I think that you know what you spoke to is is the the, the norm I, uh, in restaurants in New York and and beyond. Um, you know, most most GMs or most you know service managers, most managers in general, are are put in those positions because they're able to execute any position within a restaurant or within any organization because they've probably done it at some point. You know, uh, to your story about starting as a runner and moving into server, uh, becoming a captain, whatever it may be, and then and then being a manager. But you know, for me, the the most inspiring managers are those who who actually are able to identify the things they're not good at and 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 uh, find. Uh, people who have a, an active interest in in being the best at whatever the manager is not good at, and the manager's job is then to to empower that person uh, so that they can excel, and 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 the the tide rises as mm-hmm. you know all the uh, excuse me the the ships rise uh, as as the tide rises um, in the entire organization. So uh, that was a really poorly uh, laid analogy, <laughs> but um, but. Uh, I think you get my point. You know, as if if a, if a manager is able to to assemble a group of people with um, compensatory skill sets that that uh, can all gel and and produce something um, that that otherwise would not be possible, then then the manager has done their job. You know, uh, I, I reference constantly uh, uh, Will Gadara at Eleven Madison. You know, someone who who recognizes quality and understands uh, that that overall excellence must be achieved in every uh, nook and cranny of any organization that he's a leader of, and so he sets out to find people who, who are going to drive that uh, independently of him and, and because he's there to empower them. You know, whenever I was at 11 Madison, he... Uh, he told me once uh, directly. He's like, "Listen, I want I want you to be on the bar team, and and it's important to me that you realize that this is not about, you know, making our bar a good bar. It's about making our bar as good as any bar. And uh, if and, and Will's not a bartender, you know, and he doesn't have to be. Uh, I don't I don't know that I've ever seen Will make a drink, but uh, he's he recognizes quality and he understands that what's most important is the investment in people. And if he's able to to get people excited, like he was able to get me excited, then we don't stop. We don't mm-hmm. stop until we achieve uh, what we're what we're out to accomplish. And it was making one of the best bars in New York, not making one of the best restaurant bars in New York, or being able to surpass our peers. It was about being able to surpass uh, the entire uh, uh, collection of of cocktail programs in New York. With with that in mind specifically. And have have you brought that idea to Bethany that not only do you have to be really good, you got to be the best. I mean that what a huge burden like, that that you that you have to bear. Uh, <laughs> uh, I, I make it through somehow. Um, no, it's it's uh, it's important to me that that's that's the philosophy because mm-hmm. it's it's the one that that I know and I, and I believe it's it's a it's a fair it's a fair concept and, and one that's noble uh, to to be able to or to be able to strive to um, accomplish excellence in in every pursuit uh, within an organization. You know, working with with great purveyors, working with uh, talented baristas, working with talented bartenders, uh, wine professionals, etc. Uh, so that you don't you don't uh, necessarily um, you don't your goal is not necessarily to to you know measure yourself by others' accomplishments, but if you're able to have fun and and really enjoy uh, the pursuit of of excellence in in each of these categories, then you are innately going to strive for perfection. Yeah, well, I have to I have to say you know I, I definitely was at Eleven Madison Park when you were there. Truly, one of the most memorable meals of my life, and then Atera. Mm. 
God, that's like just one of the greatest experiences, meal, whatever experiences. It's truly, truly memorable. I can't go to Asuka until I can choose a time to go with my girlfriend. Because if I go without her, she will, uh, she'll kill me. Uh, but I have no doubt that great things are going to come of uh, Bettany as well. But I can't have you on the show without asking you a little bit about this Scandinavian movement in New York right now. And I know you said you're not an expert, but you've been involved in... Uh, the two of the most prominent restaurants, um, and you, you've been you've been there, uh-huh. um, and so I, I, I imagine you have unique insight as to why is why are we having a Scandinavian moment right now? What's <clears throat> what's going on that these places are are being a little bit more? Uh, I, I mean, is it the same group same group of people who's spreading it around? It seems like it's a it, this is the Scandinavian time in New York City. Sure, you know it's it's an interesting concept, and and I wouldn't. I wouldn't necessarily say that uh, Atera is de- is devout to uh, Scandinavian cuisine in, in any way. You know, Matt uh, has crafted his own cuisine. is one of the most talented chefs, uh, certainly in New York. A uh, real inspiration to work with. Um, uh, certainly, Aska is, is devout to Scandinavian uh, uh, cuisine. But the interesting thing for me is that it's it's more of a philosophy from my perspective. And I'm not Scandinavian. I don't I don't ever. I, I won't ever pretend to feel uh, like I'm a part of that culture, uh, but more an observer and enjoyer of it. Um, uh, but it seems to me that the the cuisine specifically of Scandinavia has, has lit such fire in, in the industry because um, it is a philosophy that's applicable no matter where you're at, you know. Um, it's about it's about sense of place. It's about seasonality. It's about uh, a, a respect for and relationship with um, the 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 region that you exist within and the land that the the food comes from, um, and also uh, application of technique. You know, it's it's about making it more natural, making it allowing the ingredients to speak for itself and all of the the facets that it can express itself. So. Um, you know, you, you get dishes that uh, are emulative of of the earth, and you know they don't necessarily undergo a tremendous amount of manipulation. And if there is technique applied to them, it's it's ultimately to showcase what's already there. Mm-hmm. Um, that to me is is why Scandinavian um, uh, philosophy with regard to cuisine is is so important, and why I don't think it will be a fad per se. You know, the, I think the hype will will you know die down a little bit as people realize that it doesn't have to be a fad. It can integrate, and we can learn. learn these lessons from uh, Scandinavian chefs uh, across the world. Um, you know, going to going to Favikin in Ora uh, in Sweden was was one of the most amazing experiences of my life um, because, again, you know, nothing there was was anything but what it should have been. And and I say that not not to say that you know they were they were necessarily striving for perfection consciously but you know they were just doing what what they knew to be right. I felt, and I don't want to speak for that team there because I'm not a part of it. But, you know, it was apparent to me that they did the things they did because they knew that that would be the best expression of what they're, whatever they were doing from mm-hmm. the way that they, they you know, erected the, the hotel or the inn that is connected with the restaurant. You know, they did it the way that they did it because it would ultimately make people feel good. And you could walk, you know, from your, from your room down to the dining room and, and walk back up whenever you're done. And um, the layout and, and the amenities there are, are few and far between, but perfect, you know, uh, and make you feel exactly the way you need to feel and put you in the right frame of mind to have an amazing experience. There. And other than at the highest end of cuisine, what did you notice were some of the trends that were going on in more casual dining? Are they, are they bringing those same philosophies to 
the you know to to the restaurant where you don't where you don't have to you know save up all year to go to. Uh, are you referring you're referring to spe- specifically in Scandinavia? Yeah, that's good. Sure. Yeah. Um, you know, I I got the impression uh, that they're wholly like uh, on board with with uh, looking to New York and specifically Brooklyn, honestly, uh, for inspiration. You know, it's it's really cool. You know, I'm here at Roberta's walking down the street uh, uh, on Moore Street and, and, you know, smelling these amazing smells of bacon and, and you know, coffee and um, pastries. And it's pretty cool. Um, those, those same uh, streets uh, uh, feel uh, like they can be, can be a part in some ways of a lot of the more modern or uh, more c- progressive uh, streets uh, in some parts of Scandinavia that I've been a part of. And obviously, you know, some of the buildings are much, much older and of a different style. But, you know, you see people walking around dressing much the same and, and eating and drinking and, and living in much the same way. Um, it's it's interesting, the exchange, and, but but both maintaining a lot of their own identity. Um, so I, I haven't I haven't quite put my finger on it, but I feel like there's a lot of there's a lot of exchange and a lot of mutual respect, especially between the communities of of uh, New York and and um, and uh, a lot of the more progressive uh, uh, areas of Scandinavia. I, I just love that all that exchange between Paris and Brooklyn, Scandinavia and Brooklyn, New York and 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 the world. Uh, it's it's uh it's pretty it's pretty exciting and uh i i think that uh not not that that we fully arrived as as a food country but i think that the the fact that we are now exporting some of our own food traditions is uh is pretty pretty exciting as someone who's in the industry and who cares about uh food um so amy when did you say the uh the opening was for <laughs> no just kidding um amy and rocky thank you so much um everyone look out i i see i see you on eater all the time so i'm sure they're gonna tell everyone when the opening of that me will be hopefully on my schedule as well as on theirs. your schedule and uh thanks everyone for listening this has been in the drink on heritage radio network.org Thanks for listening to this program on HeritageRadioNetwork.org. You can find all of our archived programs on our website or as podcasts in the iTunes Store by searching Heritage Radio Network. You can like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter at Heritage underscore Radio. You can email us questions at any time at info at HeritageRadioNetwork.org. Heritage Radio Network is a nonprofit organization. To donate and become a member, visit our website today. Thanks for listening.